When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. is your main event marks podcast brought to you by the unhinged sports network i am lifelong wrestling fan former radio guy troy and with me as always is the wwe walking wrestling encyclopedia and the main event mark or sorry and the main event collector he is the robocop to my sting he's greg what's up greg stop creep you're coming with me (laughs) wow yeah, you're the only. Look, uh, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I was a huge RoboCop fan when I was a kid, so. Yeah. People might wonder why I'm saying that randomly. It's not random. It fits in. Give us a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, well, we're talking today about. I don't know. Is it NWA or WCW? What year is this? 1990. Yeah. I, I think that's the year they became WCW, but that still doesn't answer the question. I I know. <laughs> it's like it's such a murky. Like even in '91, it's still murky. 
because they still got NWA titles. Uh, but anyway, it's I'll just call it NWA. Basically, it was like TNA's early days, but they were NWA, but TNA, just like that. Yeah, but theirs was more prominent, though, where it's like they let you know, boom, NWA, whereas WCW is like, yeah, I mean, we're kind of NWA, but really we're WCW. <laughs> it was so weird, man. And uh, yeah, but we were talking about Capital Combat 1990. It's the only one of its kind. And the full name of the event you is, may Capital... See why. <laughs> it is called Capital Combat, the return of RoboCop. Keep that in mind that that is the title of the event. Okay. Yeah, I never understood the return part personally. Well, well, we'll get into all that too uh, because it's just the more I listen to podcasts of people that were there and worked in the environment and stuff, the more things like start to make sense. They're they're not less stupid; they just make more sense. So, oh, now I get it. And it's like, oh, now I realize why somebody was this effing stupid. Okay, I got you. And there was a lot of things going on at this time. People getting fired, people getting hired, bookers just changing hands all over the damn place. My gosh, it was a tumultuous time for the NWA slash WCW. And we'll get into all of that on on this show. There's actually a lot of news to cover on this one. And I'm very excited to talk about it. There are... A couple of moments that, uh, yeah, well, we just, we got to talk about them. And it's, uh, do we, and, do we really, well, the thing was, I don't want to scare anybody off. The show wasn't all bad either. It had some good stuff on the show. Uh, obviously it had some stuff that would make you laugh out loud. And uh, trust me, I did. <laughs> well, and if you're looking at this through the lens of, it also depends on like your age group too, because like, if you're an adult, you're like, Oh my gosh. But, when you saw this, you were did, were you actually watching live with this one? I can't remember if I watched this live. I know you were really, but I vividly remember seeing it when I was a kid. But I don't think that necessarily means live. Yeah. How you were what uh, seven? Nineteen ninety. Yeah. Six or six. Okay, so you were six. I was not even born yet. Uh, yeah, we'll get into all the the stuff of the show here in a bit. Uh, but first, we got to cover the news and notes. But uh, I want to let you all know real quick that the main event marks is sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. If you want to cut the cord, Fubo TV is the way to do it. And Fanatics is where you can get officially licensed sports swag from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, NCAA, PGA, and NASCAR. Click on the links down in the show description and let them know that the main event marks and the Unhinged Sports Network sent you. But anyway, uh, if you were listening on the podcast feed uh subscribe and please leave a five star review and on the other end of this break we're going to dive into the news and notes we'll be right back follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on twitter at main event underscore marks and on instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector It's the very best of professional wrestling's past every Monday on Retro Wrestling Review. I'm your host, Troy, and together we'll hop on my time-traveling wrestling ring and watch along to the greatest matches from yesteryear in the sport of kings. As complex, as controversial, 
and as brilliant, really, as he is. On Triple R, we'll cover matches from across the world, including American territories, Canada, Mexico, and Japan. Fast action, lots more than that. You'll learn some things, find out about wrestlers and matches you never even knew about, and we'll have some laughs. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Retro Wrestling Pod. Retro Wrestling Review is available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, served up fresh every Monday morning. Unbelievable! The crowd! Absolutely stunned! Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. And we're about to dive into the news and notes here from uh, mid-May of 1990. Was it May 19th, Kane Day? Uh, It was. It was May 19th, yeah. Don't say that day. We covered the show that was the very next May in 91, uh, a couple of weeks ago, back in the archives, Super Brawl 1. That was... Yes, that was in May. Yeah. That was that was something, man. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people might have looked at that and was like, eh, whatever, and they might have slept on that episode. I had a lot of fun recording that one. I have more fun recording the bad shows than I do the fun ones, if I'm being really honest with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the good shows are, are always cool to talk about. But, yeah, like that show, there was a lot of meat on the bone is like good and bad, mostly bad <laughs> with that show. A lot of memorable stuff. But anyway, crap. diving right into the big story here from the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation did a big angle of the summer or the big angle of the summer with Hulk Hogan doing a stretcher job on the Brother Love show to Earthquake. Oh, man. Dude, I remember like being in tears when that happened, dude. Oh, he crushed the Hulkster. Why? Uh, Hogan will be announcing his retirement from wrestling in a few weeks to set up his comeback at SummerSlam. That just sounds so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, we all know that retirements in wrestling mean absolutely nothing. They're like points on whose line is it anyway. Wow. They mean nothing. (laughs) What? Come on. A really obscure reference, but okay, we'll go with it. (laughs) Well, what was the SummerSlam 1990 main event? here i forgot uh, uh was it was hogan and earthquake and i believe warrior and rick rude were the actual main events oh was it just hogan and earthquake 101 mm-hmm. i think it ended in a count out too oh yeah that's that's how you want to end your second biggest show of the year no 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 it ended with a cage match i'm just saying that match ended with the count out oh oh the the uh rude and warrior yeah, warrior, yeah yeah the cage match oh. did i think okay. and this is just me guessing but i think because back then they did not want to set up the cage mid-show and take it down. Yeah, they always had intermission beforehand. Yeah, because if you go back and watch, so, there's a long break before when they're putting up the cage, so yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, I mean, 
hell, AEW, when they did Blood and Guts, I mean, they pre-recorded the first hour of the show just so they didn't have to set everything up. Yeah. That uh, was something. Uh, but the WWF ran one last show in Madison Square Garden for the time being, as the building is closed for renovations all summer. Uh, this must have this been early renovations. So yeah. they would re- I don't know if this is exactly the return, but I know SummerSlam 91 was there, so... Okay. Yeah, they've done so many, like, big-time renovations to MSG in the last, like, 20 years. Because didn't they, uh, not too long ago, just do a big-ass renovation of it? They did, yeah. Yeah, so... Well, whatever, keeping it modern. uh, Rent's so high, we got to cover that. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, Well, the... um, the, they only drew 9,500 fans for a really bad show with Hulk Hogan and Earthquake on top. I can't believe that didn't draw on MSG in 1990. It was a house show, though, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But back then, I mean, you put Hulk Hogan on top, even if it was a house show, you know, did, especially in MSG, they usually did pretty well. Here's one. We talked about this guy last week, or uh, excuse me, a couple weeks ago on Super Brawl. Terry Taylor was actually blocked from going anywhere, and the WWF will be holding him to his contract until August and using <laughs> him on a regular basis again. Don't let him go away. He might put the ass in the seats for the other guys. Yeah, I know. It's like, why is that the one where you're like, oh, we, we can't let him escape and go down south. God dang it, pal. <laughs> we got to put 1990, more. So he's still the Red Rooster, I believe. Yeah. We got to put the red rooster on the marquee. That'll really draw him in. Can you see the MSG number? (laughs) Like, like he freaked out after the MSG show. God dang it. We can't let him go now. (laughs) Oh man. I don't remember. Apparently, because I, I, obviously I was too young. I wasn't watching, um, but I don't remember. Apparently he did wrestle as Terry Taylor for a bit in the WWF. Not in this run. I don't believe. I know he'd be terrific came back? Terry Taylor in 1993. Oh, okay. I didn't know he came back. Wow. Well, yeah, for all the crap we give, this guy keeps getting employed. Okay, let's not forget that. We can yeah. laugh all day. But man, right, him and yeah. Jim Neidhart were like in a competition as you can get employed the most. <laughs> <laughs> right. And who could screw it up the most? Uh, well, and the thing is, uh, I, I just, I remember that he was around post Red Rooster only because uh, Bruce Pritchard tells a story of like he came out as himself and he like grabs a mic and so, and, and he's like, I'm back, baby, or something like that. And somebody in the crowd just goes, arr, arr, arr. oh, my God. <laughs> and he said, killed him dead on the spot right there. That's a hell of a stigma. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I remember I, I want to say it's Roman 1993. He's terrific. Terry Taylor. Terrific. Ter- God dang it. He's he got keeps three, getting. He's got three T's on his crotch or his ass or something like that. Good lord. <laughs> Why? Wait. I know you I like and I. Talk- I like that you're legit stuff for words. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I know you and I talked about this guy, like, buried himself backstage a lot. And he was kind of an a hole. But, like, man, you want to talk about falling into the box of gimmicks and pulling out all the worst ones. He fell off the top of the damn tree and hit every branch on the way down is what he did. Yeah. The Red Rooster, terrific Terry Taylor, the uh, yeah. the computerized man. Oh, my God. God. I forgot about that crap. We just talked about it two, two weeks ago. I know. <laughs> oh, man. And it was all in a span of, like, three years. 
maybe there were three, four years. Look, can we acknowledge he wasn't a bad wrestler, by the way? I feel like he needs to be no, said. No, he was great. Yeah, he was I a. He I was, think that needs to be said. Um, but like, it's just <laughs> a lot of. No, I, I feel like if he, if he was like if if he had somebody that had confidence in him and actually pushed him, and he could keep his damn mouth shut. I was gonna say I you like just he, said it yourself right there. He's kind of a dick and like. Yeah. Do, do anything with him? I mean. I know. Yeah. Apparently, he was the 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 first. He's the first nephew, if you will. The Ultimate Warrior's reception as champion has been getting more and more lukewarm in every city. I've heard that. Like, I heard the ratings started tanking. Uh, like, the everything kind of stagnated with him on top. So I will never look back with nothing but fondness on his run. So Yeah, I mean, you and I were both fans. Uh, then again, Still you and have. I... Yeah. Then again, when you and I discovered the Warrior and watched the Warrior, we were children and i mean he had i he he was he had some magnetism to him i'll say that he had the it factor but i mean yeah when you're going from hulk hogan who was you know the hottest star business had ever seen to the ultimate warrior having less than like hulk hogan never had a five-star match you and i talked about that but the warrior made hulk hogan look like uh rick flair in japan (laughs) all right so I don't know. They had they had to put him in the ring with people like Rick Rude and uh, Randy Savage and people like that. And if he wasn't in the ring with people like that, God eh, help us. Yeah, it wasn't going to go anywhere. And a lot of people didn't like working with him because he was stiff and a little dangerous. And yeah, I don't know. I'll give and him the, the danger part, but the stiff part makes me laugh. Like, man, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, they they talked about they're like, you know, Rick Rude looks rough and tough, but his crap couldn't break an egg, you know, because he was, you know, he knew how to work. Whereas Ultimate Warrior, uh, they said his his stuff looked terrible and it felt like crap because he was really hitting you. But then again, they <laughs> then there was, uh, you know, Stan Hansen, who was uh, the blind potato master. The expert. Yeah, I know. Here's here's one, man. Tugboat has been missing a lot of dates, and the company has given up on the Tugboat gimmick. Well, they hadn't. Hold, but... hold the phone. They they had a thing with the Tugboat gimmick? <laughs> well, I, after... I, I liked it when I was a kid, honestly. Looking back, it was stupid. But, like, when yeah. at what point did they have, like, something for it? When was it ever hot? To, like, I'm stuck on the word give up, give up on it. Like, I'm stuck on that. Well, what the hell he was... did they give up on it? They weren't doing anything with them. Well, around this time, he was Hulk's best friend, and he, you know, he was the one encouraging all the little Hulksters to write okay, in and yes, wish yes. him well. He was and... the other guy still. Yeah, well, yeah. It's I mean, that's... I'm lost on him. Like, what the hell were they doing with him? Were they giving up? He was one A, or, or no, he was like a one B behind Hogan, I guess. Or, well, I don't know. They were they were maybe being generous with that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard himself talked about, you know, they were going to build him up for that WrestleMania Seven match, and. uh they uh, decided not to. So, I mean, they the were The general trying. consensus on him, he's like the nicest dude on the planet, which I can tell you, when I met him at WrestleCon, he was like just the coolest dude. So Yeah. Uh, I met him at Tugboat, by the way. Did he trip over his table when he was going? <laughs> no? This is another <laughs> one of those instances, by the way, where I'm going to tell you this. I went and met him or went past by him and shook his hand while you were waiting in line to meet Christian. I feel oh, like wow. I've used that story like 12 times. Yeah. Part. And there's probably he, even more to go. 
you met like half the WWE Hall of Famers while I was standing in line for Christian Cage. <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, Uncle Dave Meltzer claims that the WWF will be rebranding Tugboat as Bronto the Caveman for a feud with Dino Bravo. <laughs> Holy hell. Uh, well. Thank you, wrestling gods, for not letting that go through. Yeah. So he goes from a tugboat captain to a caveman. Like, that's what they were going to like. What the frick, dude? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I challenge all the WWE haters nowadays to tell me that nowadays is worse than back then. Yeah. Thank God they made him into typhoon. And I'm not saying that like sarcastically. Like, I like the natural disasters. Well, I hated them, but, you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I was I was always a big fan of theirs. I mean, yeah, you looking back now, their matches sucked, but I thought they were a cool team. Uh, here's one, man. We, we're always talking about the Road Warriors and contract disputes and whatever every week uh, during this time. Anyway, the Road we Warriors... just preface this by saying I've always been a huge fan, always will be. Oh, yeah. I know people yeah. think I'm crapping on them, but yeah. <laughs> the Road Warriors are coming back to the WWF. They were tired of all the crap in the NWA and will be let out of their contract shortly. Also, the NWA was equally sick of their crap. Plus, the trio of Hawk, Animal, and Ellering cost them uh, $5,100 each show, which is kind of ridiculous based on the Poultry House show cards, or crowds, excuse me. Jim Hurd actually pitched an idea of salvaging the relationship uh, where the team would split up, feud with each other, and then get back together again. Due to the Ultimate Warrior being on top in the WWF, they'll have to change their name to the Legion of Doom. And yes, that that did happen. So, uh, two things. Number one, he he never had the epic feud with them in the Ding Dongs. That pisses me off. Oh yeah. <laughs> and two, did that story say they were coming back to the WWE? Because I don't think they were ever there. No, it said they were going to the WWE. Oh. Uh, yeah, this was uh, run number one. And I knew they were in the WWF around this time. I didn't know it was 90 when they went. Uh, but they I remember come right they were... before SummerSlam because they come out at SummerSlam. Oh, uh, okay. And I then remember... they would have the big match at the next SummerSlam for the tag titles. Right. I was going to say, I remember them. Uh, they, they rolled the motorcycles out at Wembley, didn't they? That was 92. Yeah. 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 With, uh, with Rocco. Who I have a Mattel figure of. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the was that the time they said uh, Rocco, you know, quote unquote, got misplaced or they left him at the airport or something? I think so. Yeah. Oh, man. That yeah. Sucks, man. I, he was the only surviving thing of that fire in their old neighborhood. <laughs> what was that the storyline? Yeah, they they went to the old neighborhood. It was either burned down or torched or someone destroyed or something like that. And the only thing that was left was Rocco. There's a video on YouTube about it. If the like of all the merchandising opportunities you have with the LOD and you pick a god dang puppet. It's no whole uh, fist on a helmet, but, you know, you know, oh, the fist ever. That's not what it was called in reality, but. uh, Oh, yes, it was named that. Yeah. Bruce Pritchard nicknamed it that. Well, well, you know, Greg, that was the inspiration for the Smackdown set years ago. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, the Road Warriors actually offered themselves to uh, both 
New Japan and All Japan for 16 weeks a year at $20,000 a week, but neither promotion wanted them at that price, so they took the WWF offer. Look, hmm. I know the LOD's hot in 1990 still, but hot damn, dude. How much do you think you're drawing? <laughs> you should go watch the uh, Road Warriors. Oh, you've probably seen it. The Road Warriors DVD or their, uh, their documentary. There is a there is a there's a part on there where they talk about contract disputes and um, Bischoff said that animal kind of had a big head at what he thought they were worth. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I I mean, he still has a big head on him. Like, listen, if uh, you if anybody goes back and watches their episode of Dark Side of the Ring from season two, uh, animal still talks about him like, you know, they were the best things to slice bread i mean whatever man great have confidence in yourself and they were over but dude <laughs> yeah oh man i will say it's like watching or see, watching listening to the kurt angle podcast kurt is like if uh, he's in my top three maybe top two of greatest wrestlers of all time but man kurt angle loves him some kurt angle man i uh i, I say it's like lebron james like they're great but the problem is they know they're great. That yeah. becomes a problem. Yeah, after a while, it's like, it's like, dude, you're great, but you're like, you're making me bring you down a peg in my mind because it's like, well, you're not that great. Here's one for you. Terry Funk is doing boxing choreography for the new Rocky movie, which is Rocky Five. Wow, uh, he's been a. I didn't know that because I know he was in Over the Top with Stallone. He must have been a friend of his. Yeah, hmm. but. Of, of all the people you could hire to do boxing choreography, why would you hire Terry Funk? Like, uh, wrestling, sure, but what? But, I uh, don't have an answer for that. <laughs> yeah, that's just that came out of left field. But that's in addition to Dick Slater working as the stunt double for the guy in the uh, that Rocky fights. I'm assuming he was doubling as Tommy Gunn. Why, I, why would they need a stunt double? Because that was a real fighter. I know. I, I w- I'm assuming there were some, I mean... Because I, I know that... Have... Uh, the guy, uh, I forget his actual, his actual name, but in Rocky Balboa, he he did the fight himself. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tarver, Antonio Tarver. He did the oh, fight yeah. himself. Well, this was... I'm assuming he doubled as him for the, the street fight at the end. And I, I'd have to go back and watch. I can't remember if he took any ridiculous bumps or anything, but... He probably didn't want to, you know, go around bumping into concrete and stuff like that without knowing how. But I don't know. This story kind of came at me out of left field. I mean, that last one was a little like, ah, okay. But this one, Blackjack Mulligan and Kendall Windham got their sentences for counterfeiting. And Kendall got 27 months in prison and two years probation, while Blackjack got 24 months and two years probation. Uh, that was another today's years old story. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Blackjack Mulligan, by the way, would get out of prison and then go work for Herb Abrams for a little while. Oh, Ooh. man, there's a lot of jokes there. Yeah. Let's just say it fits. OK, that's it. We'll yeah, <laughs> I mean, there there's a lot of drugs in prison. But anyway, what? he got arrested for counterfeiting. Uh, what, he couldn't help Herb come up with more money? Counterfeit syrups or chaps or something? What, what was he counterfeiting? Money? <laughs> yes. 
Uh, and Kendall Windham. I had no idea Kendall Windham went to jail. So this was... Uh, wait, I'm thinking about Don't it. worry, was... he'll get another shot as the West Texas Rednecks. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Well, I, well, I was worried, Greg, you know, about Kendall Windham. Uh, so this was uh, Bray Wyatt's grandfather and uncle who went to prison for counterfeiting. Good Lord. Uh, Suddenly the penal looks so bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, going to Japan now. Uh, Tiger Mask unmasked during a tag team match and declared, quote, I, he declared, quote, I am Misawa. Uh, he will now be wrestling as Mitsuharu Misawa from now on. So there you go. The uh, the start of uh, Mitsuharu Misawa was in 1990 when he took his Tiger Mask off. He was Are there like was 47 tig- Tiger Masks. I think in total, uh, like if you count all the variations of Tiger Mask this and that, whatever, I think there's like six. Was one Eddie Guerrero? Uh, he was Black Tiger. Oh. Close enough. And then, oh, well, guess they who just was- say Jaguar. God dang it, Greg, because Jaguars don't have stripes. Damn it, Greg. <laughs> well, you know who played Black uh, Black Tiger in TNA was Rocky Romero. I feel like I knew that, but I couldn't remember his name. But I can picture his face. Yeah, yeah, he played. He was uh, he was in the World X Cup in like '06. Uh, in women's wrestling in Japan, former prelim wrestler Erica Shishido won the All Pacific title and rebranded herself as Aja Kong. Doesn't she still wrestle? She does, yeah. Good lord. I know, she's been around forever and a day. So I believe her and Dustin are Rhodes are the only people who can meet today that were in this era. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe I mean, Eugene got after watching him or Dynamite. I don't maybe I, I don't know when he started, but Yeah, I don't either. I don't know when he debuted. He's uh he's up there in age. Uh, yeah, 1990. Like, that's weird, man. I didn't know that uh, it was the birth of Mitsuharu Misawa and Aja Kong, both in the same month. So, cool. Now getting into the NWA, WCW stuff here. WCW slash NWA is finally abandoning the stupid booking committee and will be naming a single booker after after Capital Combat. Skipping ahead, Ole Anderson was will be announced as the new booker. And he immediately brought in Stan Hansen for a feud with Lex Luger down the road. Oh, I forgot they feuded. That was hella awkward. Didn't, you and hey, I, I feel like listen, you and I listen covered... here, Ohio. You don't get to say hella. <laughs> I've been uh, talking to you long enough. <laughs> Did we review one of their matches? Yeah. So Luger faced off with Hansen. Like now in the archives, go back and listen to our Starcade 1990 episode. Uh, it was a Texas what a Lariat. What a burner match. it was, man. Yeah. Texas freaking Lariat match for the U.S. title. Hooey. But <laughs> getting back to, to this story, it's kind of a coup since like Hanson leaving was... Leaving the lamb to slaughter. Here, go listen to this crap. Yeah, right. I mean, we had fun making it. Don't get me wrong, but the show was horrible. Oh, matter yeah. Fact, was... Matter of fact, I say listen to us. Don't watch the show. How about that? Yeah, our podcast was much more entertaining than that garbage. I mean, the main event, how do you build up Sting as your big world champion? And then you get to your biggest show of the year, and you're like, wow, we don't have an opponent for him. Who the hell are we throwing in there? <sighs> but anyway, it's kind of a coup since Hanson was heavily rumored to be headed to the WWF. Uh, Bill Watts had been considered for the uh, the uh, front runner for the job, but he was insistent that 
he not be accountable to Jim Hurd, and the and the deal fell through. Don't oh. worry, it's coming. Yeah, we lose Hurd, Kit Watts, and ah, things don't really get better. However, management insisted at the meeting where Ole was introduced that they would not interfere in any of his decisions. Yeah, and that worked out splendidly. This was the booking administration that had the uh, Harlem Heat being led out to the ring by a southern guy holding chains around their necks. Uh, We had the Black Scorpion uh, now in the archives at uh, Starcade 90. And yeah, just, I don't know, you and I talked about the Black Scorpion. I didn't hate it until the payoff. I thought the payoff sucked. I feel like it could have been Yeah, I feel like it could have been something. Uh, <laughs> I always liked because uh, I listened back. I, they they covered that show on Tony Schiavone's podcast. What happened when? And they always do funny commentary and stuff. And uh, Tony was like, "Sting, it's me, Ole." <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, Ole always did those weird voices that they <laughs> that they needed. I feel like there was so wasn't there somebody else that he did like the voiceover for. I think he did it for Shockmaster. Oh yeah, that was it. And his his one voice that he did always for all of those characters just sounded like Claw from Inspector Gadget. <laughs> all right. See him pounding on the table with the cat jumping. You can see it already. Damn you, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> anyway, Comsat, a huge cable conglomerate, is interested in purchasing the company from Ted Turner. Although everyone involved denies it. I don't know who the hell Comsat is. Uh, Comcast little brother? I don't know. Yeah, I th- this was early cable guys, I guess. But the story was leaked by Joe Petticino. Also bidding is Vince McMahon, which would be the final step in the total control of the wrestling scene in North America. Vince actually made offers a few months back, but the company was in bad financial shape or when the company was in bad financial shape, but Turner turned him down. The NWA is in rough shape with losses reportedly as high as $1 million per month. Although there's a lot of creative math involved in figuring out exact the exact number because of the vague, quote, you know, this money goes to the TV side and this money goes to the wrestling side, uh, contract wackiness. The pay-per-view business is profitable, and the 900-line business is insanely profitable, but the house shows are a giant money-losing lo- drain of the company overall and uh, make up almost all of the deficit. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. This would continue until Eric Bischoff got the reins. Yeah, but he didn't drop house shows. You know who did? Uh, Was it Kip, Kip Fry? <laughs> was it him? No, I mean, it was Eric Bischoff, but... Uh... Oh. What's his name says he was all his idea. What's that guy he didn't draw a dime? Oh, uh, Mike Graham. Yeah, Mike Graham. He insists that was his idea. <laughs> yeah, he insisted every good idea was his idea and every bad idea. Well, I warned him. <laughs> like, no. Dude, nobody was ever listening to you, Mike. Like, look, I'm not going to try to crap on the dead here, but seriously, it's like you just alluded to the thing he says about everybody. Never drew a dime. Never drew a dime. How many dimes did Mike Graham draw? Three or four. Yeah, it's like 
as much as, and I'm not a huge Jeff Jarrett fan, but he was going, oh, broke a thousand guitars, never drew a dime. It's like, mm, he drew more dimes than you, Mike. So, you know, those who live in a glass house. <laughs> and again, I, you know, he's a tragic case and tragic story, whatever, but uh, I don't know. I just find it crazy they operated this long on losing money until Bischoff came along. I know. And the purchasing of the company thing was kind of funny. I, I, I had heard this before, but I forgot about it around the time that like right before Bischoff came in and made the offer with fusion media in 2001, I guess Jerry Jarrett was looking at buying it and he, you, well, know, you it, know, chicken salad. Well, cause he made, I guess he, you know, when you're looking at buying a company, you get to look at their books and everything beforehand to see, you know, like, all their finances and all that good stuff before you buy into it. And he was looking it over and talking it over with, with Jeff. And he was like, son, you are, this, this sucks. <laughs> it's like, you think I can't, I can't even make you world champion of this son, you know, well, it, well, you know, I, you know, they always say, huh? Like, you know, make chicken salad out of chicken. Well, you know, but you know, I, not even I can do that. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Jeff Jarrett on his uh, pod, his uh, My World podcast, he says one of these days he's going to reveal his uh, grandmother's famous chicken salad recipe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And at least he's in on the joke and he gets it. Uh, Wahoo McDaniel. Yeah, he's, he's doing pretty fine for himself, so I don't think he cares. <laughs> yeah, especially at home, man. Right. Ooh. Anyway. Wahoo McDaniel was the first victim of the new Oli regime as he was fired for as uh, from his agent position. Not a guy I would have thought Oli would have put on the chopping block, but whatever. I thought the most school guys stuck together. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is the same guy though that that asked Ric Flair what you know what good are you to me now after he lost to Kurt Hennig on TV. So <laughs> that's right. <sighs> yeah, let's go back to that one. And I don't get that. I figured Oli would be a fan of Kurtz because they're, uh, you know, old Minnesota boys. The NWA name is becoming a bit of an issue to uh, continue using. The name is owned by the NWA organization, which is separate from Turner's wrestling company. And in fact, no one on the NWA board is even involved in world championship wrestling. So they're essentially paying out rights, uh, rights fees for absolutely nothing. And then it turns out that no one from the NWA ever totally agreed to let them use the name once Turner bought the promotion. So what seems inevitable is World Championship Wrestling becoming the permanent name of that promotion to avoid the NWA seeking legal action against them. I think it worked out. Yeah. Like, what good was the NWA name to them in ninth, especially at this time? Like, maybe in the early days, okay, whatever. Or for another reason, the name value for old school fans, I don't know. Yeah, at this time, like, and it, and it was so confusing. Like, you and I can't even keep it straight. And this is, like, 30 years later. Ah, I don't know. Here's one uh, I had no idea about. Tommy Young was told by doctors not to return to wrestling because any serious bump could cripple him for life. He would. He'd be on Raw in, like, a couple years. For one match. <laughs> Tommy Young refereed a match on Raw? Yeah, the NWA matches, the Jim Cornette's NWA matches. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. I, see, I had no idea he retired way back in 1990. Ugh, wow. 
because a lot of people talk about him. I just figured he kept on in the 90s, but I wonder what happened to him. Do you know? I don't. I'm like, why couldn't he just not get hit? Still be a referee. I don't get it. I thought the same thing about uh, uh, Tim Tim White uh, because you know he had to retire after that shoulder injury. I I guess he came back for like one match and he uh, like re-injured his shoulder and just he had to he had to retire. He he suffered a career-ending injury on uh, in a match between Mike Rotunda and Tommy Rich on WCW TV. I, I, I don't know what the injury. Oh, uh, his head bounced off the rope and he was left legitimately incapacitated for the remainder of the match. Wow. A stupid wildfire. So he was officiating a match between Mike Rotunda and Tommy Rich. And so did he fall asleep mid-match and bounce off the ropes? Because <laughs> I would have. Speaking of injuries, Sting is tentatively scheduled to start wrestling again in on June 30th. Sid Vicious should be back at the same time. I didn't even know Sid Vicious was injured during this time. But that would explain why he didn't really... headline Halloween Havoc, right? Sid? Was that this one? I don't know. I can't keep the Halloween Havocs uh, straight. Yeah. Uh, Sting, I think... What, was he back on June 30th? Or was it like, I, I know he was back for the Great American Bash, obviously. But I just, I don't know. Yeah, he builds up to it, so. Okay. Uh, Lex Luger apparently got a staph infection from Scott Steiner, who had been working with an eye infection, and managed to transmit it to Luger's knee. Ew. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? How does that even happen? Ugh. Wow, that sounds weird. I know. That was made up. We'll talk about it on the show, but. Uh, yeah, he was uh, Luger was in the hospital for like two weeks fighting for his life with a staph infection. So ugh. which makes this main event even more impressive in my eyes. But we'll get to that. Speaking of Luger, WCW ran a show in Boston on May 4th with Ric Flair versus Lex Luger on top. But Luger got lost on his way to the building and they changed the main event to Flair versus Rick Steiner instead. Then, at 10 p.m., Luger finally found the place and showed up just as they were making the ring announcements for the main event. So they canceled the match and did a second intermission so that Luger could get ready, and then they had the advertised main oh event after all. Oh, God. This sounds so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> this is like one the of worst, those... That's like the worst tardy excuse for school ever. Oh, I know. I couldn't find the giant-ass arena in the middle of Boston. <laughs> like, What? Had you never been here before? I realize this was before GPS and whatever, but, like, did he ride alone? Man. That's just... Wow. This was one of the most WCW stories I've ever heard. Uh, and here's one. Uh, speaking of issues with live shows, they were supposed to do... They uh, were supposed to be touring Canada, but the card at the Lord Beaverbrook Ice Arena in New Brunswick had to be canceled because the ammonia that's used to make the ice was leaking. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I don't know if it was during this time. I can't remember for sure, but it was within like a few year span. There was a show that the guy who had, who was supposed to transport the ring forgot to show up. They had fans. No, uh, but they had fans in the arena. Everybody 
he was there, like, getting ready. The guy never showed up with the ring, so they had to cancel the show and send everybody home. Sounds <laughs> so stupid. I feel like I've already used that a couple times. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you want to talk about the most WCW stories ever. Just like, man, the mismanagement uh, yeah. just ran deep. The rings lost. they had to cancel the show because they literally didn't have a ring like what equivalent of losing your contact lens though right yeah yeah right (laughs) oh my gosh ted turner is set to personally do a press conference to announce the signing of el gigante and gigante will likely debut at the pay-per-view i wonder if he does yeah i wonder (laughs) Uh, final story here. Abdullah the Butcher quit WCW already because he has a Japan tour in June. He actually told them before he even signed that he had a Japan tour and he couldn't be there long term. So they still signed him anyway and pushed him like crazy on TV. You know, because WCW. Because reasons. Before there was LOL TNA, there was LOL WCW. This hot damn dude. <laughs> Most mismanaged crap of all time. And we can talk about all the crap in the late two or in the uh, the late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, all we want. But this man, <laughs> yeah. they lost the ring. They lost the ring. I, they I can't cancel, get over that. <laughs> they had to cancel a show because ammonia was leaking at an ice rink. Uh, like the, their main event guy lost his or like lost the the way to the arena, and they had to cancel the match. And then they were like, never mind, just kidding, he just showed up. Holy we're crap. Just playing with you guys. And then they went through Jim Hurd and Kip Fry and Ole Anderson and and uh, uh, Bill Bill Watts and just Dusty Rhodes. Ugh. You ready to dive into the event? You'll say I'm a rogues gallery of crap. <laughs> I know, right? Well, real quick, before we take our next break... If you are not listening on the Unhinged Sports Network, we are live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. The immediate replay is at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Also, the re- we have replays on Thursday and Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Again, that is on unhingedsn.airtime.pro or unhingedsn.com. And... For all of you out there, it is a free internet radio station. I appreciate yes. the, <laughs> I appreciate you think that we can all charge for the service, but we do not. So go check it out. It's free. Uh, if you are listening on the podcast feed, thank you. We are available anywhere you get podcasts, including YouTube that has all the archived shows. And subscribe and leave a review please and if you're on on youtube subscribe uh and tick the little bell for the notifications uh, let you know whenever we uh post a new video but we will take our next break when we come back we're gonna dive into the show at hand Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, that. same mother and father. 
your room was... Oh, we shared the room. Shared a room. For we shared the room. thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go new. way back, mate. Yeah. Yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Brocast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, no, yeah. Well. What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... Yeah, hey, 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 it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the broadcast podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. It's showtime. <laughs> we are getting into... <laughs> WCW slash NWA Capital Combat 1990. The return. It, it took place May 19, 1990. The tagline: The Return of RoboCop. <sighs> it took place at the DC Armory in Washington D.C. They were hanging from the rafters. It was a sold-out 7,500 fans in attendance, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was an armory, so. The pay-per-view buy rate was 1.40, which amounted to 160,000 buys, which was lower than the two pay-per-views on either side of it. So, what was the one before this? Wrestle War, I think? Yeah, yeah Wrestle, I think so. Yeah, Wrestle War did better. The Great American Bash would do better. This, uh, not so much. <clears throat> but then again, when you see that the tagline is the return of effing RoboCop, <laughs> Uh, I'd save my money for the bash. I'm a, I'm a different. I'm of the different opinion, dude. I, if I see RoboCop, man, they got my money. Yeah, <laughs> take shut up and take my money. <sighs> the show did a uh, did draw a sellout, but the DC Armory was brutally hot and it wasn't air conditioned, which is kind of funny considering that they should have learned that lesson at the Fort Bragg Clash of Champions show last year, but apparently they did not. For this show, WCW agreed to do some promotion for the upcoming movie RoboCop 2. Time Warner was distributing it, or distributing it, and since WCW was part of that umbrella, they were chosen to promote the film. In true WCW fashion, they chose possibly the silliest method of doing that. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And before they... 
they built this whole promotion around it. It wasn't just like a little side thing like, hey, RoboCop's going to be here. No, this was the whole effing show. <laughs> Not Rob Van Dam, but, you know, the, this whole show. <laughs> it, it, they were told before the show, hey, it's a dude in a, like, a, basically a plastic suit. He can't go upstairs. He can't take a bump. He can't hit the ropes. He can't really do anything. Uh, give him top billing. He like, can but, walk like a robot. Yeah, he has to move really slowly or the costume will come apart. Like, hot damn. Hot garbage. The show, uh, let's see, the uh, open of the show shows uh, a top secret file being opened to show pictures of Sting and N- other NWA wrestlers. Uh, we then go to uh, Tony Schiavone, fresh off of his WWF stint who sends it to a military band dressed like Revolutionary War soldiers playing the Star-Spangled Banner for Armed Forces Day. We now... It's a real uh, sentence, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we, all of this is real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> uh, we now get sent to our commentary team for the event, Jim Ross and Bob Cottle. Look, I think Bob Cottle had a great voice, and uh, I, I have nothing bad to say about the guy commentary for this show was goofy at best i like, never liked him if i'm being real with you i liked his voice i didn't think he was a good commentator i'll say that he just he didn't really add anything he just kept he he commentated like he was a kid in a candy store or like you know and jim ross was just sitting there haha you're right bob i'm like okay this first match is a six-man tag match it is the team of Bam Bam Bigelow, Cactus Jack, and Kevin Sullivan with the Big Kahuna, which is uh, <laughs> your Oliver Humpel- Humperdink. That's like a and, couple times in the past couple weeks you mentioned him now. And he had two different names. Oh, gosh. Uh, hey, he is in their corner. They are taking on the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. And I guess his name, I put Norman the Lunatic, but I guess he's just Norman now. And... I guess Paul Ellering was there. They didn't really make a big show of him being there. I don't know. Uh, the match went just over nine minutes. Hawk and Animal ride to the ring on the backs of motorcycles with other guys driving them, which I thought was a tad emasculating. Like, two years after this, they would ride motorcycles to the ring in Wembley Stadium, you know, actually riding them themselves. And even with a puppet on the handlebars, still more manly than this. <laughs> Like the dummies driving the bike. Why would they like, I know who we have in charge here, but who was the, the, the guy with the bright idea? Yeah. Let the LOD ride, bitch. (laughs) I didn't want to say it, but okay. (laughs) I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, Anyway, this, and oddly enough, this was not, I guess I must've just been tuning out. That was the first thing I noticed. I'm like, why are they on the back of the bike? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It was a sticking point for me. But to make it worse, Norman rides to the ring on a scooter. <sighs> for people that don't know, Norman, Norman the Lunatic, whatever the hell you want to call him, he would go on to be Bastion Booger. Yeah. But he well, had hair here. Norman like a little slow? Can I say he, that? He was a lunatic. Yeah. Well, Okay. He goes from being a psychopath that they would wheel to the ring on a gurney and whatever and strap him in and all that. He goes from being a, a, a mental patient to, 
yeah, just uh, being on the spectrum. He uh, he has special needs. He's he's okay now. He was he he was Eugene, basically. <laughs> oh, but his partner is ripped off. His partner's ripped off his uh, Norman's shirt. It was for a radio station to reveal another T-shirt that uh, was his own Norman shirt. Uh, he's, and then he's got a plastic bag. He starts pulling T-shirts out of it, chucking them into the crowd. I bet those sold like hotcakes. Oh, man. Yeah, can you imagine being the guy you're like, I got, I caught the shirt from Norman. Cool. Can you imagine being that sad sack that doesn't have one? You're like, man, I never got my Norman shirt. I, it made kids cry. It's like, I didn't get my Norman shirt. Like, Good it's okay. God. It's okay, little Johnny. Maybe you'll get to see El Gigante. <laughs> Little Johnny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, by the way, I wasn't aware. I was today years old when I found out that Bam Bam Bigelow was in the WCW in 1990. Yeah. I had no idea. It was back to wore, WWE in late 92, I think. And I don't remember him wearing the singlet either. It was like a, a sleeveless singlet. Like, people would have to see it. But Norman took most of this match getting beat up on because reasons uh no one took a trip to the bat cave unfortunately oh yeah it sucked <laughs> crap eventually breaks down hawk pins sullivan with a flying lariat off the top uncle dave said this match was fine but nothing special with the exception of cactus jack so he had a hard on for cactus jack back in 1990 uh he gave it two and a half stars i gave it one and a half i thought it sucked what say you i thought it was terrible i gave it one this, this match blew ass. I, it just they beat I would have up on the it special too needs if we guy. Saw a trip to the Batcave. Oh my gosh, they beat up on the special needs guy, and then Hawk got the pin on Kevin Effin Sullivan. Cool. Moving on here. I, I dare it, them to do a gimmick like that in today's world. I know, right? You put you you pair up the special needs guy with the two uh, big bikers. <laughs> Against the most ragtag trio that I've ever seen. But up next, we get Johnny Ace taking on Mean Hell Mark. Yes. Taking on Mean Mark Callis with Theodore R. Long in his corner. Uh, this one went about ten and a half minutes. I didn't even think of this until post oh, show. There? Take her, I mean, oil up your picks for you. <laughs> what the hell? Some awfully nice red hair you got there. I can help <laughs> you dye it black. Help you get over, pal. Uh, as long but, as you uh, hit the Ace Crusher. Yeah, let me hit the Ace Crusher on you. It's over in Japan. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think about this until later on. There was a Laurinaitis in the first two matches of this show. That's true. Yeah. We go from Joe to John, but uh, well, at least we only got progressively better. Oh yeah, yeah. We stepped up a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I don't care about the match quality here, but Johnny's mullet is a seven stars in the Tokyo Dome. High and tight. And bleach blonde to perfection. I mean, like, you couldn't even see the roots, brother. That was some good stuff. Teddy Long gets involved a few times outside the ring. In the end, Mean Mark hits a heart punch into a walk the ropes flying elbow drop for the win. He said he stopped doing that move because it effed up his hip. Uh, Uncle Dave said both looked green because there was no transitions between moves and the audience lost patience. He gave it 
a star and three quarters. I gave it an even two. I didn't. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. What say you? I didn't hate it, but yeah, I'll give it two. I never thought Johnny Ace sucked. I didn't think he was good. I just he didn't suck, in my opinion. There was someone I compared him to. It was like, oh, uh, a guy like Virgil. We we give him crap and laugh at all the stupid stuff, but like, in no world was he bad. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. I mean, I still think about it because yeah. I follow him on Instagram. He posts funny stuff. I'm like, you know, it's it's a running joke. Haha, Virgil, twenty bucks, he gets autograph. Like he was never, <laughs> he was never bad. I mean, you know. No, just, <laughs> he was the black manservant of the rich white guy. Well, I didn't go there, but whatever. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, it, I didn't did say I... you were wrong. I'm just saying I'm not touching that. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, after that match, we get it, it, it's better. Now, because WCW has a stupid thing called the slam meter where they show a replay of of a move and rate the slam on the meter. <sighs> Pretty effing lame. And why did they break it out for this match in this match alone? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, God's sake. I'm just thinking about Alexandra York. I'm like, I bet you she ran with that. The hell? We then... That fits, that fits in with the computer, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. <sighs> we then cut to Gordon Sully oh, backstage. Continuity, dude. See, man, we gotta remember stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we cut to Gordon Sully backstage, approaching Sting in RoboCop's locker room for an interview. I'm sure this was the highlight of his illustrious career. <laughs> Security is guarding RoboCop's door while Sully is speaking. Some moron in the crowd is blowing an air horn. <laughs> I was wondering how the hell they got that in there. Uh, me too, because he's going on and he's uh, well, we're approaching the the locker room of RoboCop and Sting here. <laughs> like Somewhere holy crap! RoboCop. Yeah, I, I was like, that was fantastic. Like, if you couldn't make the segment any dumber, oh man. And freaking Sully, man, is just God bless him. He's trying to sell this stupid crap. And he explains to us that Sting's recovery from his knee, or he talks to us about Sting's recovery from his knee injury and about how much he cares about the little stingers. It's such a cartoonish-ass segment. My favorite part is when he says that... It's not a rip-off of Hulkamania at all, by the way. (laughs) No, I know. My favorite part of this whole thing is he says that uh, Sting and Robocop are there to protect the little stingers from the Four Horsemen. Yeah, like, Flair's going to hop the crowd and start chopping kids. (laughs) Old drunk Flair might... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> line them up i'll knock them down oh man uh, what do you know about that Woo! chop <laughs> holy crap i would pay money for that man i'm not even joking i'm sorry i gotta collect myself after that oh man we now go to tony shivani on a platform in the crowd for the rock and roll express they're putting over how they're going to whip the Freebirds tonight in their their corporal punishment match. Robert Gibson then does sign language while Ricky Morton talks. Uh, what I was wondering during this entire promo was whether or not Ricky Morton ever won a won an award for that epic effing mullet. He had to have, dude. Yeah, like that's he still a blue, has it. That's like a blue ribbon first place in at the county fair having mullet right there. Like hot damn. Like, if if I saw that mullet just walking around the county fair, I would walk up and, and just at least give him a hot dog. I would, like, risk my life to just touch it. Right? Uh, speaking of Ricky Morton, by the way, did you see that him and his son won some tag titles recently? 
No, but... Yeah, his son has uh, become a wrestler. I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head, but... <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, Robert Gibson, by the way, legit new sign language, I guess is, I think his sister was deaf. So, uh, that's, that's how they would communicate with each other. Oh. Like in the ring was they would do sign language back and forth. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, weird factoid from, I, I want to say that was from Jim Cornette. So anyway, how do you know? Yeah, right. This next match Ricky was Robert, mother effort. Rock and roll express most over team of all time more over than Jesus. Mother effort. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he always said in the South, uh, and, and like people actually admitted to this. They're like, well, on my mantle, P- or on my mantle, I got a picture of Jesus, and right next to it, I got a picture of the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> like, like, wow, wow, okay. But uh, what's better than the Rock and Roll Express, Greg? This next match. The uh, Midnight got- Express. <laughs> Up next, we got Captain Mike Rotunda. And Tommy Wildfire Rich taking on the Samoan SWAT team of Fatu and the Savage, who is the Tonga Kid. This one went just shy of 18 minutes. Seeing Tommy Rich and then seeing Mike Rotunda cosplaying as a as the Skipper had uh, had me buckled in for mediocrity. I'll just say I'll say that <laughs> right now. You're easy. <laughs> it's like Mike Rotunda. I'm like. Who told you to dress like the skipper from Gilligan's Island? Like, what the F? He wasn't the captain of the varsity club here. No, he was a freaking tugboat captain here. He had an anchor on his tights, had a little captain's hat on. Like, what the? <sighs> See, I anyway. just thought it was like maybe a Syracuse thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just uh, uh, maybe he just bought a new boat at auction. <laughs> you get the reference? You get, you I do. Get it? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I've never been super impressed with the SST either, so it's eh. Rich, who's usually pasty white, is super tan here for some reason. Somebody say something about tanning beds? Oh, tanning bed. Uh, but the SST. Tan and all your picks. Sorry, last one. Or, wow. <laughs> the SST spent like five minutes playing like socially distanced patty cake for some reason. I assume it was some sort oh of... Oh, my God, battle. that's the most 2021 thing you've ever said. <laughs> that's what it looked like. Uh, and uh, I, I guess it was some sort of Samoan battle ceremony. I, I don't know. Uh, but this match actually blew my expectations away, which admittedly were on the floor. However, it went on way too long. In the end, Rich hits Fatu, or gets Fatu in a sleeper. The Savage comes off the top and hits Rich with a double axe handle. And Fatu falls on him for the pinfall win. Uncle Dave said, work was solid, but it's just way too long for these guys. The crowd was dead because the actual heat in the building was the was worse during this match. Uh, everyone was pouring sweat, and the match was pretty bad overall. He gave it a half of a star. I, I didn't hate it. I gave it two and a half for average. What say you? I gave it one. I did not like it. I was bored. Yeah. Just uh, chalk up another uh, Tommy Rich match for unimpressive. I never saw him as anything. I'm sorry. I hate saying that, but I just. And we're, I'm, I'm bound and determined, man. I'm on a mission to find one good Tommy Rich match. Just one. It doesn't have he to was, be amazing. He was wildfire, man. Yeah. Somebody say something about fired up. Wow. Like, 
Like, uh, no. Apparently that's something he would say all the time. All right. Uh, Tony Schiavone is now on the platform in the crowd with the NWA Tag Team Champions, Rick and Scott Steiner. Rick talks like he has special needs, and Scott calls Tony Tony before he goes off on Doom before their match later tonight. This was, was this post Rick painting a face on his damn hand and talking to it? Yes. Way okay. post. <laughs> Why the hell is he still acting like he's got special needs here? I don't know. He just like. And then he returned to a dog. Yeah, right. Yeah, he. Like, all he's saying, all right, we're, we're going to suplex him, and then we're going like, to hit him with a, a, a clothesline. Like, he turns into Bobcat Goldweight, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gary Michael Capetta now announces the winners of some Capital Combat sweepstakes. It's an older couple. Uh, GMC doesn't say what they won, but I'm going to assume that it's tickets to this. Lucky them. <laughs> you know, we talked about uh, Tommy Rich earlier. Now, the person that he broke into the business, if uh, you know you want to call it that, Missy Hyatt comes to the ring. <laughs> so many jokes. Her... Let's just leave it alone. Well, she comes to the ring with her giant hairstyle. She's accompanying some hairstylist named Jay Tapper that will shave the loser Little of the name. next match. Not to be confused with Jake Tapper from <laughs> CNN. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, I was like, wait, what did he say his name was? Hyatt does the ring announcing for this match, which We're is We're going to leave alone the easy pun right there. He's not going to tap her. Wow. Hey, he's a hairstylist, okay? He's not... Anyway. Uh, but yeah, Missy Hyatt does the ring announcing for this match, which is just something. <laughs> you thought Sunny was bad. Yeah, let's just say she ha- she has a voice for silent films. But up next is... Precious Paul Ellering taking on Theodore Arlong in a hair versus hair match. And this goes just shy of two minutes. How will that match go today? Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> like hair versus hair. Yeah. I don't well neither one of the, the the rib was that Paul Ellering had like really short ass hair and he was clearly losing it. And then Theodore Long had a a small skullet. Like, the hell, man? Long is dressed like a boxer, but he's wearing tights. And he is announced as Theodore Sugar Ray Long. (laughs) F. Uh, Paul Ellering manages to get Teddy Long's boxing gloves off of him. Finds out that there's something in the glove. And he blasts Teddy in the face with it, knocking him out. Uncle Dave said, terrible, but short. Everyone was pissed that they promised Long uh, uh, that they promised that Long would get shaved bald, and the hairstylist only took a couple of snips, which we'll get into. He gave it negative two and a half stars. I just gave it a dud. Let's see you. I didn't want to like this match. I feel like it never started, but one. Yeah. Well, post match. I was like, I was laughing so hard. I'm like, so their hair is gonna get worse? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like. It's like, shouldn't this be a winner gets a better hairstyle? Like, well, technically, both, it's not wrong. What you just said was what was going to happen. Yeah, both of them are bald today, just to let everybody know. And they've been bald for a long time. So it was just like this match was to like to preempt uh, God, basically. <laughs> but, 
But while Teddy Long is passed out on the mat, Jay Tapper chops most of Long's hair off, but, or he chops some of his hair off, but he leaves most of it for some damn reason. <sighs> yeah. Uh, however, Long wakes up and acts like he's just been shorn like a sheep. This was embarrassing. Are you talking about the match of the show? <laughs> yes. Uh, Tony Schiavone now is up on the platform in the crowd again with Art Anderson, Ole Anderson, and Sid Vicious in a tuxedo for reasons. Ole cuts a promo on Lex Luger before introducing Ric Flair, who screams and shouts and says that Lex Luger is half the man he is every single day. Arn follows suit, saying, as God is our witness, we'll die before we let, uh, before we let him lose this in regards to Flair and the big gold belt. So there you go. Up next, man, the moment we've all been waiting for. Oh, yes. It is the Z-Man and Flying Brian defending the WCW United States Tag Team titles against the May- the Midnight Express of Beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan with Jim Cornette. And Jim Cornette is in a shark cage for this match. Remember that? Because yes. it's, uh, it has implications. Not a shark cage above the ring, just a shark cage sitting in the middle, in the middle of the ramp. This one went uh, almost 20 and a half minutes. Cornette tries to run away, but he gets caught by Flying Brian and Z-Man, who throws him into the cage. F and Z-Man. <laughs> oh, man. The baby faces chuck the heels over the top rope at one point, which is a stupid disqualification under NWA rules. However, that wasn't the intended finish here, so they let it go. That rule, man. It was just like, it's a rule unless we say it's not a rule. Then ignore it. Yeah. Dumb. In the end, Z-Man is beating on Bobby Eaton when Stan Lane hits a jumping enziguri to the back of Zank's head, allowing Eaton to roll him up in a small package for the win. Uncle Dave said <laughs> Cornette, w- <laughs> Cornette was in a cage at ringside, so what they could have, uh, what they could have, a cage at ringside for robot or so that they gosh, let me try that again. Rewind. <clears throat> Uncle Dave said Cornette was in a cage at uh, ringside so that they could have a cage at ringside for Robocop later on. Good fast action all the way and the best match on the card. Eh, we'll get into that uh, uh, at the end. Opinion. <laughs> Jim Cornette said that uh, since the bars were gimmicked, he couldn't even touch them for fear of bending them. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He has a height thing, right? He what? He doesn't like heights. Oh no, that I that was that was uh not real, but no. No, like, I mean uh, like I th- I'm just thinking he doesn't like heights. That's why he doesn't fly anywhere. No. Yeah. Well, uh, this one though, like he couldn't touch the he couldn't touch the bars on the cage because they were, you know, because if he touched them, they'd bend easily. Again, we'll get into that here in a minute. But Uncle Dave gave it three stars. I gave it three and three quarters actually. I really dug it. Or no, I'm sorry, I reversed that. I gave it three. Uncle Dave gave it three and three quarters. What say you? I gave it three as well. I really liked it. It was odd. I mean, yeah, I didn't expect probably, to like it that much. <laughs> probably the highest rated. Tom Zink match I've ever watched. Yeah, but it is, a, it is a tag match, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, you got Flying Brian and the Midnight Express in there, which are, you know, three fantastic talents. Uh, Flying Brian, by the way, if you haven't seen his Dark Side of the Ring episodes yet, 
Go check them out. They are definitely worth it. It'll make you feel all the feels. It'll make you feel uh, something. Have you seen part two yet? No. Ah, I will. Man. Yeah. Uh, but we now get the uh, get an advertisement for WCW's next pay-per-view, the Great American Bash 1990 from the Baltimore Arena. That would be the coronation of Sting. He would go on to beat uh, Ric Flair. But we now go back to Gordon Sully backstage as the locker room doors open and smoke billows out. It looks like <laughs> Secret Service agents come out of the room and push Gordon aside because, you know, RoboCop needs Secret Service. The, uh, <laughs> the camera starts messing up as RoboCop walks out from the smoke-filled room. He and Sting were obviously getting blazed before the show, and I wish I could have gotten blazed before watching it. Back in the arena, Gary Michael Capetta can't hide his verbal erection as he, as he announces the return of Sting. I mean, he goes nuts. Uh, and Sting comes out in Zubaz and a Gold's Gym tank top. You know, looking like a star. The most 90s look you've ever seen, by the way. I know. Like His damn sunglasses had that thing on, on them where, like, it would hang. You can hang it around your neck, and, then like, the glasses would be on your chest. Oh, you know what I'm God, about? yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had a pair of those. <laughs> yep. I was like, I don't even know if I ever wore those when I was a kid, and if I did, it was because of him. Guarantee it. Was he wearing Keds? <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't have a fanny pack on, too. Like. Good grief. And I'm feeling old. God, I got to move right. on. Anyway, uh, GMC then introduces RoboCop, who slowly walks to the ring at a pace that makes The Undertaker look like he's sprinting. And Arn, Oli, and Sid now all grab Sting, and they throw him into the shark cage and lock it. RoboCop then... This, and, they, and what we get is one of the most iconic shots ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> RoboCop slowly, at the speed of smell, walks up to the cage, rips the doors off the hinges, saving Sting. Good Lord. Arn, Oli, and Sid take off through the crowd, like, oiled again. Oh, man. I, <laughs> I remember watching, like, I don't remember watching it back then, but I remember I was watching it back a couple days ago. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this really happened. Yep, and... I'm thinking, is this something even Tony Khan would do? I don't think so. Hell no. <laughs> I, 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 there's no way he would even do this. This was just like... And, and I can't remember. Oli says something on the mic before they take off through the crowd. And I don't know. Uh, my, I, I would have given anything for Oli to drop into that claw voice and been like, Curses, RoboCop! Foiled again. <laughs> that would have saved the whole segment for me. Uh, it would have added something, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, look, I know wrestling is goofy, but how am I ever supposed to take this crap even semi-seriously after watching them sell a fictional character like he's effing real? Like, god dang. Not only that, Jim Ross, too, man. So, so, I know. He's not, he's not out of the woods on this one. Talk about taking your credibility... <laughs> taking a big dump on it and then whipping it out the window. <laughs> Uncle Dave said, quote, he meant nothing to the show. Robocop, that is. Pronouns, pal. Pronouns, pal. And even though they gave out hundreds of Robocop posters, none of them made it onto TV. <laughs> <laughs> on the bright side, it didn't hurt the show at all. 
end quote. Well, you can't hurt what's already dead. Yeah, I mean, that, that's like, uh, you know, the, the proverbial beating of a dead horse, I guess. Don't make, don't ruin my, don't make a mess of my pig pen. <laughs> yeah, like, it, that's like, I don't know, shooting a corpse. I don't know. It's like, look, he was already dead. I just put another <laughs> bullet in him. Good grief. I don't know if you meant to make this as a metaphor for WCW's whole, but you did. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it doesn't get any better in this next segment, man, because we now go back to Tony Schiavone, who I'm sure is seeing all of this after getting fired by the WWF and thinking to himself, where did I go wrong in life? Oh, yeah. Tony... <laughs> Tony's got to be sitting there like, yeah, Tony had to been sitting there. It's like, I was just, I I just had a great job in the WWF. What happened? (laughs) He went from calling the Royal Rumble, like the showdown between Warrior and Hogan for the first time to this. Right. I know. Uh, Now in the archives. We're talking a couple of months, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. That's now in the archives. Royal Rumble 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Now in the archives. Go check it out. Uh, Tony introduces the junkyard dog who cuts a promo about wanting to beat up all the heels. I will say this. I always enjoyed his his promos. I mean, that's all I can say. I thought he was good on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Cornette comes out and says that uh, JYD is taking him and the Midnight Express's time and asks uh, where he's been since leaving or getting fired from the NWA dog gives a Louisville, Kentucky address. Cornette freaks out and says, that's my mother's house. (laughs) (laughs) That was the greatest thing on the show so far. Uh, Then he tries to smack JYD with his tennis racket, but it gets caught before he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. And JYD does wait a minute and Cornette hightails it. Like what the hell did I just watch? Is that all you gotta do to stop yourself from getting attacked to say, wait a minute? Yeah, right. Like, you wouldn't hit a guy wearing glasses, would you? <laughs> uh, dog says that he's back to stay, doubtful, and walks off. Uncle Dave said that if JYD could draw anything, he'd still be in the WWF because they gave him chance after chance until they were forced to fire him. Yeah. I, yeah. Look, he was in the WCW a little bit before this. If anybody goes back now in the archives, we covered uh, one of the Clash of Champions, the Raging Cajun. Yeah, the one from in uh, the Superdome, yeah. Yeah. And, he uh, has like a pretty cool entrance. <laughs> yeah. And he comes out with the uh, with a New Orleans band and everything. It was, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, it didn't draw a damn, but it, it, uh, you know, it happened. Before getting into the next match, there was a ton of confusion about what a corporal punishment match even was. Jim Hurd envisioned a country whipping match. Ricky Morton and Ole Anderson thought it was an Indian strap match, and the promotion for the match was that it was a loser gets whipped with this with uh, straps. In the original, uh, or it was originally supposed to be a country whipping match. Then someone from the company was told to go buy whips for the match, and he ended up going to a sex shop to buy whips there instead oh of just. Oh my go- god! <laughs> instead of just going to buy leather effing belts. <laughs> I felt like he knew exactly where to go. Can we say it again? That's so WCW. Yeah, right. Uh, so we're losing a ring, am I right? <laughs> yeah. So since they were stuck with a bunch of cat of nine tails, uh, <laughs> they just tied them to the corners and had them use them for a couple of spots in an otherwise normal match. 
Hot damn. Did he get any anal beads? <laughs> oh my gosh, you just said that. Uh, why is the strap vibrating? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Where'd you uh, get that? Uh, my mommy's top drawer. <laughs> wow. Good grief. Uh, this next match is uh, the Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson taking on the fabulous Freebirds of Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin. It is a corporal punishment match that went about 19 minutes. 18 minutes too long. Yeah. The Rock and Roll Express actually has a pretty cool entrance as they're wheeled out on a platform with an old-style jukebox on it. But a fan grabs Ricky and damn near pulls him into the crowd. And he freaks out for a second because he's on a moving effing platform. Did you catch that? I did. Uh, he's, he's slapping hands and then somebody grabs him and he's like, whoa, crap. <laughs> Uh, it's time to make with the strapation, dude. Real word. That's that's two uh, two shows in a row I got to use that reference. Uh, Morton <laughs> Morton was the first to use the leather strap on Garvin, and then Gimson used uh, one of the straps on Hayes. Hayes uh, hits a DDT on Robert Gibson and then tries for a second one, but Ricky Morton jumps on the top rope and pins Hayes with a sunset flip. Uncle Dave said the match was good, but not what was advertised he gave it two and three quarters of a star i gave it two and a half stars for average what say you i gave it two i really wanted to like this match though yeah i did too i've never been a huge michael p.s hayes fan uh like it, i mean mic work is different ring work meh uh but you and i talked about neither one of us were jimmy garvin fans i thought he kind of sucked and in 1990, he just looks like he's about to morph into the fat, bald guy that we saw at the Hall of Fame. Doc Hendricks, baby. Yeah, it just uh, Jimmy Jam was uh, something. I, you, you ever notice he did the what Luke Harper ended up doing later on? He was just randomly in the middle of the match. He'd go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is that yeah. where Harper got it from? Doop, doop, doop. <laughs> right. Uh, Michael did do the moonwalk during this match, and Jim, uh, Jim Ross pointed out, he said, well, Michael Michael Hayes says that uh, he he invented that, and Mike, Michael Jackson ripped it off of him. He maintains that. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, uh, Tony Schiavone is on the platform again, interviewing Doug Furness. Yes, Doug Furness. Uh, In 1990, <laughs> Apparently, Doug was there because there was a fear that Tom Zank wouldn't show up and they needed a backup plan. <laughs> Hell of a replacement. Um, yeah, so it's like, <laughs> that's your contingency? Yeah, I know. Not Phil LaFon. <laughs> anyway, uh, Furness says that Lex Luger is out of the hospital after spending two weeks in there. Uh, now he's 100% and he's ready for Ric Flair. He literally added nothing to this. Then Sting comes in to put over his buddy. Well, they Lex. paid him to be there. You got to get something, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sting comes in, puts over his buddy Lex. I feel like Furnace took everything that Sting was going to say, so he's like tripping over himself here. <laughs> right. And it's like, what else is there to be said? <laughs> but now we go into this next match. It is the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, defending the NWA World Tag Team titles against Doom, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. And they have Theodore R. Long in their corner. It went... The newly bald? Uh, yeah, quote, unquote. Uh, this one went just shy of 19 and a half minutes. 
Security has to hold back a guy in the crowd that looks like Eric Cartman all grown up as he jaw jacks with uh, Butch Reed. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. I I did, like, uh, did he call his mother a name or something? Yeah. No, no. Butch Reed called him fat, and he was trying to tell him, I'm not fat, I'm big bone. <laughs> uh, Jim Ross goes on for about like 10 effing minutes about the college credentials for Doom and the Steiners. I was like, just shut the F up and talk about the wrestling match. Like, I don't give a crap who was an All-American and, and what position they played on the football field. F off. There were a ton of big moves. Where do the signers go to school? I'm not getting into that. Uh, but there were a ton of big moves without a lot of selling in this one. Uh, the Frankensteiner got one of the biggest pops of the night. Things break down in the end. As and, it should. Right. Uh, things break down in the end as Rick Steiner goes for a belly-to-belly suplex to Ron Simmons off the top rope. Butch Reed pulls him down so Ron lands on top of Rick, and Ron pins him for the win. Up until now, this match had the most heat of the night. Uh, before the ratings, this is like the second instance of the night of so-and-so got pulled on top of the other person, and he, like, falls on him for the win. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it three and a quarter star. I gave it three and a half stars. I really, I actually really like this one. What say you? I'm going to go higher, because I'm going to go four. I love this match. That was damn good. These four guys beat yeah. the piss out of each other. And it never got boring and never got repetitive. No. Yep. Yeah, I just, uh, I really loved it. I did like the fact that uh, Teddy Long barely had any of his hair missing, but he kept, like, trying to cover up his head with a do-rag <laughs> and, like, don't shoot me with a camera. It's like, what's different? So it's a little shorter, I guess? I don't know. Uh, Tony Schiavone's up on the platform again to interview Theodore Long and Doom. Long says that he might have lost his hair, but he gained the world tonight. Butch Reed says that Doom is for real, and Doom rules. And Ron Simmons says that they want a clean fight, just like they promised. Long tells Tony to tell Jim Hurd about their celebration party. I'm assuming that's so that Hurd brings the pizza. <laughs> I had to get a reference in there. Got it in. All right, well, that takes us to our second-to-last break of the podcast here. When we come back, we're going to get into the main event right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod, on Twitter at main event underscore marks, and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Fubo TV offers you live sports and TV without the overpriced cable. Fubo TV offers 100 channels, live and on demand, plus over 130 streaming in 4K, and a cloud DVR is included. The Fubo TV app is available on all smart devices, so you can watch what you want, when you want. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. Cut the cord and sign up for your free trial at Fubo.tv today. Fubo TV is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. 
tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back, brother. It's time for the main event. It is the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, defending the NWA World's Heavyweight title against Lex Luger in a steel cage match. Went just shy of 17 and a half minutes. Uh, by the way, I said something on that last show about them. It sounded like Peacock had dubbed over Flair's theme. It must have just been a really odd remix that they used for that event because his theme is clear as day on the show. Yeah. So I don't I know. Back and listen because I don't think I noticed it. So. Yeah, because I I was like, whose music is that that he's coming out to? It, it was like, I don't know if they played like way deep into the song and it just sounded weird. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Lex is the United States champion, but his title is not on the line here. Rick gets a crap ton of pyro for his entrance. This is more like a thunder cage than a regular one. Because it's like it's like the hell in a cell where it doesn't touch the ring. It like goes around the ring and then it like uh, it's like bars instead of the mesh and then it leans in at the top. So like almost sort of like a dome. Now, it's hard to explain. Uh, But for some reason, woman who accompanied Ric Flair to the ring is allowed to be in the cage at ringside during the match. However, the referee does discover that she's hiding what Jim Ross referred to as an international object. That is because Turner outlawed the word foreign. So the alternative, I guess, is international object. What? Why don't don't you just say weapon? Or just, oh, that's a that's a hidden object or something. I don't know. Like anything's better than an international object. That doesn't even make sense. Like, so it was imported? I I don't get it. But WCW originally wanted Lex to bleed a gusher, but that life-threatening staff infection just days earlier put the kibosh to that idea. Uh, Flair, however, bled enough for the both of them. Towards the end of the match, Ole, Arn, and Sid all came down to the cage, but Sting runs down to beat them up. When the heels get the advantage, El Higante, who looks like a rejected Power Rangers villain, walks to the cage, looking clueless, and the heels just run. He doesn't do anything, they just run. Ole Anderson finally makes the guy in control of the cage, raise the cage just enough for Barry Windham to slide in, attacking Luger. This leads to a disqualification in a cage match. And here you thought it happened first in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, Uncle Dave gave it three and a half stars. I gave it an even three. I I took some points off for that finish. What say you? I gave it three. I thought about giving it two. So, yeah, it was good enough. I liked it. I always liked Flair and Luger. Uh, I thought they they worked well together. Ah, just, man, El Gigante. What, okay, and and here's my thing. Did you notice when he was walking, by the way, it looked like he was like, Wait, am I supposed to be coming out now? Am I, he am I coming out now? He looked he, lost, dude. <laughs> yeah, he looked absolutely clueless. And, like, he didn't look threatening. He just looked like he was, like, walking up the place's order at McDonald's. 
Like, I, I don't get it. Like, what the F? And this was supposed to be, like, a big reveal. And, oh, it's El Gigante. Like, yay. <sighs> Just good grief. I think uh, this WWE three years later would be better. Yeah. Well, anything could be better than this. Hey, here's my other question. Well, I'll, I'll get into the post-match, and then I'll, ask, I'll pose this question. Arn Anderson slides into the ring now as Ole lowers the cage back, and Luger gets triple-teamed by Arn, Barry, and Rick. Sting can't get in and is going nuts until they finally raise the cage for him. El Gigante just blankly stares at the heels as they all take off. God. Tony Schiavone is... Okay, before I get into this last one, here's here's the thing. This sure would have been a good spot for, I don't know, RoboCop? Uh, I don't know if that would have worked, but... (laughs) Well, couldn't... Like, instead of earlier, couldn't they have just had him come out and, like, pretend to raise the cage? Like, he lifts it? It could have worked, maybe. So what did he do? Bend the K or like rip the door off the hinges, save Sting from that weird attack earlier. And then he was like, all right, got to get back to the hotel before they cut off room service. Like what happened? Yeah. Effing stupid. I mean, if you already know the answer, why you get asked? <laughs> I guess. Uh, Tony Schiavone is waiting in the aisle for the horseman. Flair screams and shouts and flips his bloody hair all over until... Sting attacks him from behind. As the heels get the advantage on Sting again, El Gigante just cluelessly walks up again, and the heels have to run away again. <sighs> Look, yes, he's big, but there's nothing intimidating about this guy. <laughs> just, what the hell? And especially in that outfit they put him in. Yeah. You look like, like you want to play a pickup game of basketball. <laughs> in Kenya? <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, good lord. Oh, wait, we're talking about, yeah, I think you're talking about what he wrestled in. Oh, uh, no. The, I'm thinking about what he wrestled in WCW. Yeah, he no, did this wear, one. like, the basketball, show, like, biker tights, but, like, for basketball, yeah. and, like, a tank right. top. Yeah. Yep. No, this one is just like, what the F are you wearing, dude? Just, no. But, all right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, it's the final ratings of the podcast, and we're going to tell you what's coming up this Friday, actually, for the bonus show. And next week. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Fanatics offers the world's largest collection of official sports apparel and gear from all the leagues, teams, and players that you love, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, NCAA, NASCAR, soccer, and golf. They even offer esports gear for the gamers among us. You can shop by brand, sport, team, or player. And if you sign up for fan cash, you get exclusive weekly deals. So head on over to Fanatics.com today. Fanatics is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. 
the perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, final ratings time. The readers of the Wrestling Observer poll, which of course is, you know, the end-all be-all, Greg, uh, they gave this show actually 49% thumbs up, 45% thumbs down, 13% thumbs in the middle. IMDB rated it 6.4 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 5.80. Four out of ten. I gave it six point five out of ten. What say you? Give it a C minus. Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, it was something. Yeah, it had some stuff on it the show. It had me laughing. So. I'll say that. Yeah. Not a really good thing, but <laughs> I buried my head in my hands in shame during the RoboCop thing. Uh, that opening match was. Wow, uh, with Norman the lunatic or whatever the F. Yeah, I don't know. But, all right, well, that does it for Capital Combat. Sorry. Um, yes. Uh, this Friday, it's actually a bonus show. We're throwing you a freaking bonus here. Not sure this one's going to be any better than what we just covered, but we're going 10 years in the future for ECW's Hardcore Heaven 2000. Uh, this one was the well, I know the main event was Lance Storm and uh, Just Incredible. The impact players explode. No, no. OK. Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> but they're going to be wrestling for the uh, ECW world title, I believe. I remember right. The match is really good. So no, I'm sure it is. I like both those guys. I believe this was Lance Storm's final appearance in ECW before hightailing it to WCW and getting pushed to the epping moon. And then uh, next week, we're wrapping up May on the 26th with AWA Super Clash 2. We've covered Super Clash. I I, I got to correct myself from last week. I kept saying Super Brawl, but no, it is Super Clash uh, 2. We have covered Super Clash 3 now in the archives. Uh, that one was Jerry Lawler and Kerry uh, Von Erich in a title versus title match. Lots and lots of blood in that one. This one is Nick Bockwinkle versus Kurt Hennig for the AWA title. That one I'm actually looking very forward to watching. I don't know about the rest of the card, but I'm looking forward to watching that. But yeah, anyway, so that does it this week or, well, tonight, whatever. We'll see you back on Friday. Uh, If you are not listening on the Unhinged Sports Network, again, We are live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. If you're coming in late, our immediate replay is at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. And we also have replays on Thursday and Monday at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We are also sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. The links are down in the podcast description. Let them know that the main event marks the Unhinged Sports Network sent you. Come at you again with a bonus show on Friday. Thanks for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you Friday with Hardcore Heaven. 
summer vacation. Here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 